Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another edition of the TBH Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Henry. It's good to have you back in back-to-back days here, breaking down half of the NFL yesterday with Alex Weiner and back to break down the other half of the NFL today. First kickoff is set for just a couple weeks from now. Crazy to think that the football season is already on the horizon like that. And here to help me break down the other aforementioned half is Koki Riley, who is currently an elite, or currently is covering elite-level college prospects in Louisiana for USA Today. Koki, it's been a while, but welcome back. Back to the show. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me, Tyler. It's uh, it's nice to be back. Nice to talk about some football. You know, as as always, is the yearly tradition, of course. Yep, of course, of course. Now, one thing that was not an annual tradition that uh, that kind of popped up. I heard you were uh, awfully close in proximity to Peyton Manning recently. How was how was that? How is how is Peyton doing these days? He's you know he's really tall. Um, he's, you know, he's cracking jokes to the media. It was, it was a, it was a lovely experience. And it's getting to see, uh, Peyton and the Mannings over at the, uh, yearly Manning Passing Academy, um, for my job. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was a, it was a pretty fun experience. You know, I highly recommend hanging around with Peyton Manning. There you go. Did you? Nice. Weekend afternoon. (laughs) Did you, uh, did you have a chance to ask him when him and Brad Paisley's album is coming out? Uh, no, I, 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 the time was pretty brief, so, you know, Uh, I only have an hour to do so much, so, uh, I, if I had more time, I, I certainly wouldn't. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we know you would have uh, you would have done it. It's in your journalistic duty. I'm sure that question would have been asked if uh, if time had allowed. But let's go ahead and get into uh, to some NFL action. We already had a chance to break down all of the West and North divisions yesterday. We'll have a chance today with you to break down all of the East and South divisions. A little bit more chaos. A little bit more. Uh, I should say fewer teams that will be contending for a Super Bowl, but still some intrigue here. Let's go ahead and start things off in the AFC East, where your New England Patriots play, and we'll go top the bottom on all of these divisions from last year's standing. So let's start with the Buffalo Bills, who are in and of themselves a bit of an interesting team. They finished last year 13-3, and up three wins from the season before, and it kind of feels like they're running it back right now. They've still got Josh Allen, they still have a majority of their key role players, and in my opinion, at least, when you look at the rest of the teams in the AFC, they still seem like the second best team in this conference. They add Emmanuel Sanders to give another weapon to Allen, but I guess I'm, my question to you with the Bills is this, Koki. It still doesn't feel like, at least on paper, this team is ready to compete with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. They're good, but it just kind of feels like they got good at the wrong time. Um, I think they can compete with the Chiefs. Why not? You know, uh, I, I, I mean, do they really have a flaw outside of maybe the second corner spot? Like, this is an excellent team, and all it takes is a couple injuries the other way, and you're in the Super Bowl or you're winning the Super Bowl or, or if you have the right game. I mean, last year we said the Chiefs were uh, were locks to win the Super Bowl again and then, and then they lost and they got killed. Not only did they lose, they got killed uh, by the Bucks, a team that we were pretty skeptical about the whole year. And in football, you never know. So I, I just think this Bills team is really deep almost at every single spot. And really the only question I have is that second uh, cornerback spot It'll, it'll be either Dane Jackson or Levi Wallace, and they, they've been trying to get rid of Wallace for years. He keeps on signing these little one-year deals, and uh, they haven't really found a permanent replacement for him. Um, but nevertheless, like I mean, their defensive line is loaded and deep with dudes. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is a tremendous linebacker. Their safety play is excellent. That's just the defense, and then on offense, they had Emmanuel Sanders, who 
isn't the same guy he used to be, but as like a depth receiver, given the amount of uh, excellent uh, wideouts they have after Stephon Diggs with Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley and others, and combined with this offensive line, which is at least good, at the very least, good enough. Um, I, I'm really optimistic about the Bills. So I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts about this team. Yeah, I want to be optimistic about the Bills because I do think that they're really, really good. Like when you look at the Bills team, not just on paper, but with what we've seen on the field, this is a team that, you know, again, I think that they beat any other team in the AFC other than Kansas City. My problem is we kind of got into the same discussion last year where, okay, the Bills are in the playoffs. They squeak by the Colts. They end up steamrolling effectively a Ravens team that looked just completely helpless on offense. And then they got to Kansas City and they just couldn't get the job done. And I guess that's my fear. But I, I do agree with you. If you give the right circumstances, circumstances if you look at what we could potentially see with injuries going down the stretch this is definitely a Bills team that I think could pounce on an opportunity like that but I still think that has to be presented let me put it to you another way here and I think you and I will agree on this but I am curious to kind of gauge where you're at if you were to say the the gap between Kansas City to Buffalo feels a lot smaller than the gap from Buffalo to anybody else in the AFC right um I think Cleveland is the third team in this and i think it's cleveland i know we're not talking about the afc north but it's to me it's buffalo kansas city and cleveland are are pretty clearly the three best teams um you can make a case for baltimore but they're i have enough concerns about them to put them in a tier below uh to me i can see any of those three teams pretty realistically making the super bowl if something happens to one of the other two teams or what our kansas city just has a bad day or buffalo just has a bad day um, I, I'm, I'm that in on the, on the Browns, but well, I mean, we're not going to talk about them, uh, too, too much. So I kind of look at it more as like tiers of teams. And I think those three are kind of in their own, uh, tier. And there's not that many teams in the NFC that I would say are, uh, near or even or above, or certainly not above that. Um, but I, 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 I like this Bills team a lot. And I, if you would put a gun to my head, I'd definitely say Kansas City is better just because of Mahomes, but they have more depth issues than Buffalo does. And you, you never know there are a couple injuries away or even a Mahomes injury away, which almost happened in the playoffs anyway, which did happen in the playoffs to vault uh, Buffalo into the Super Bowl. So you never know. You know, I, I mean, if you're a Bills fan, you should be pretty optimistic. Sure. I think we're in kind of the same spot here. I think the difference for me, I think that there are three teams that could potentially, three or four teams that could potentially make a Super Bowl in the AFC. I think there are three teams that can make a Super Bowl in the NFC. But with the NFC teams, and again, we won't have a chance to talk about many of them. It just feels like, you know, with the NFC, I, I could see any of those three teams very clearly making it if all three of those teams are healthy. Whereas in the AFC, I feel like if Kansas City is completely healthy, they beat Buffalo nine times out of ten. I think if Buffalo is completely healthy, they would beat a team like the Browns or the Ravens, either way you want to go, nine times out of ten. I just, I, I feel like it's a little bit more set in stone when it comes to the AFC, but but you're right. We just don't know when it comes to health, when it comes to availability, you know, who will even be available down the stretch here. Let me, let me ask you one more thing really quickly on the Bills, and then we have to move on, obviously, trying to keep this episode a bit shorter than yesterday's marathon with Alex Weiner. But if you had to say for Buffalo to take that next step, is there one position you've kind of thrown out the cornerback spot? Is there anybody out there you could see them potentially making a run at midway through the year early in the year to try to shore that up that would kind of take them to that next step and put them on the same level potentially as Kansas City? It's tough to say because, uh, as we know, the trade up by in football isn't half as robust as it is in baseball or even basketball. Um, but I, I do worry a little bit about their cornerback depth and 
because really after White and I guess Levi Wallace is okay, Teron Johnson's solid in the slot, but they don't have a lot of guys who you can trust in games after that. A lot of sixth-round picks, a lot of undrafted free agents, a lot of unproven players who, quite frankly, don't have a lot of talent in terms of their track record. And that's just the second. But, but I mean, and then again, like, if we're talking about the second quarterback slot as their biggest need, then I think we're nitpicking this team quite a bit. And again, their safety play is excellent. Their linebacking play is really good, especially if Matt Milano stays healthy this year. They have six different edge rushers, maybe even seven that they can rotate in, into games. And I think their pass rush is going to be better this season because of it. Um, and then on offense, I mean, they had one of the five best offenses in the league last year, and there's no reason to think that they won't be that good again, unless you think Josh Allen's a fluke or the Zach Moss injury is going to cripple them. You know, I do worry about the injury a little bit, but at the end of the day, they're a passing team and they're just going to steamroll teams with that, with that crazy passing attack. And they're one of the best coach teams in the league. And I don't know. I just really love this team and they've got a real shot at potentially making the Super Bowl if one or two things go right for them. And every year that we see one or two things go right. And a team that we don't expect to totally be there, you know, end up being on the mountaintop. I mean, look at last year's Bucks team. So, I mean, if you're, if you're a Bills fan, you should be pretty, Fairly optimistic. I mean, the only thing, the, your biggest worry should be that second quarterback spot and the history of your franchise. And other than that, not too much to worry about. All right. Well, let's go from talking about a team that, if everything goes right, could potentially make the Super Bowl to a team that, if things go even kind of the way they did last year to a degree, depending on how deep you think the AFC is, could find themselves in a playoff spot. And that's the Miami Dolphins. They finished six and, or 10 and 6 a year ago, up five wins from the year before. And obviously, the biggest difference, quintessentially, is that. Tua Tagovailoa is here. He was 6-3 and three as a starting quarterback last year, threw 11 touchdowns to 5 interceptions and 87 QBR, and he adds 3 rushing touchdowns to that. And You know, we've had a, a good sample size of Tua. He came in, he dominated in his first couple of games, then he kind of fell off a cliff a little bit as guys started to figure him out. But honestly, the even-keeled quarterback play from Tua by the end of the season, I think is enough for Dolphins fans to be optimistic, especially, you know, again, injuries permitting, they add Will Fuller. They shore up the O-line a little bit. I mean, he has a chance to potentially take a step up here in his sophomore season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Miami does this season. I mean, Tua wasn't very good for them for the for the vast majority of the year, and I'm still pretty optimistic on, on him given that he didn't really have a training camp, given that he was inserted into an offense that was built around Ryan Fitzpatrick and not him. There's a whole bunch of different reasons um, that may seem like excuses, but are real legitimate reasons as to why he didn't perform that well last season. I do worry a little bit about the offensive line for them. They added some uh, talent, as you said. I mean, Liam, Liam Eikenberg that uh, was their second round pick. He's he seems like he was a potential first round pick as well. So um, nice veteran presence uh, for Notre Dame guy. Uh, they added Matt Skur at, at center. Uh, Skur was actually a decent blocker for the Ravens last year. He just couldn't really snap the ball. Uh, as as you can remember in the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, it's a really young offensive line, and you worry about that a little bit. Uh, you would like to see them maybe invest a little bit more in that line, get a guy like Penny Sewell in there instead of uh, invest in the speedy wideout and, and Jalen Waddell. And, and we see – I don't want to go – actually, I don't want to really go into uh, a, whole, a whole drafting spiel right now. But like you said, I mean, the receiving core – is really, really talented. Devontae Barker, Will Floor, Jalen Waddell. I mean, there's not a lot to, uh, a lot of speed there. And they're going to be running a lot of 11 personnel, if I, if I had to make a guess. And I like Mike Kosicki a lot at tight end. I think the running back play will be fine, even though it wasn't 
quote unquote explosive last year, the advanced numbers on the efficiency um, of Gaskin and Ahmed, and they added Malcolm Brown is actually quite a very good running back despite the lack of uh, volume he had with the Rams. So I think their offense could, has a chance to be really good depending on how quickly their offensive line can sort of develop and grow up and, and protect Tua because they've done everything in their power to build around him, uh, not just personnel-wise, but schematically this offseason. It's going to be really interesting to see how that pays off. All right, well, let me ask you this point blank, and then we'll move on to the next team, which obviously is your New England Patriots. But before we get there, looking at the teams that made the postseason last year, it seems like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Browns, probably the Ravens and Titans, I would say those teams are more or less locks to make the postseason this year. That leaves just two open playoff spots. Realistically, I mean, again, health permitting, does it feel like this is the year that Miami kind of slips in there? And maybe they're a first-round exit, and maybe they're not. I mean, you know, but... Does it feel like it could be postseason time this year for Miami? Yes, especially what's what happened to the Colts, who we're going to get to in a little <laughs> bit. And I think this team is a step ahead of the Patriots because their quarterback situation is a little bit more um, settled, and they have and they have better weapons in New England. But I mean, the driving reason, if you're to uh, bet on the Dolphins, is not because of their offense. Their offense has ceiling, but there's also a, 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 a kind of a concerning a low floor there, right? But, I mean, when you look at this team's defense, as long as they can rush the passer, and I think Jalen Phillips, if he stays healthy, can do that for them at least to a degree better than what they had, what they had last year, then you're looking at a team that has one of the best secondaries in the league to go along with one of the best defensive minds in the league, and Brian Flores at, at, at head coach. So, I mean, if Miami's defense can be anywhere near as good as it was last year, all they have to do is just – you know, take a step forward offensively. You don't need to take a leap forward like the like the Bills did last season. And I mean, I mean, everyone has to stay healthy, and, and they don't have a ton of super injury prone guys, like, except for I guess at receiver with Fuller and Waddle to a degree. But anyway, I I mean, this Dolphins team I, on paper should make the playoffs, and we know how well coached they are. And I I mean, I'm pretty confident in them in terms of sliding into that sixth spot. It's the seventh spot that really. It's kind of a question mark in terms of who you're going to pick for that in the AFC. Yeah, that's that seven spot is going to be an absolute nightmare. But I do agree. I think that ultimately, more than likely, that is kind of the Dolphins spot to lose at the six. If not the six, then certainly the seven if somebody else comes out of the woodwork. But it's time for our regularly scheduled New England sports rant uh, from everybody's favorite Northeastern or Koki Riley. The New England Patriots finished 7-9 and nine a year ago, Tom Brady's first year away from the team, certainly not the way they hoped it would go. They finished five games below where they did the season before, and now they have kind of this interesting, I guess you can call it a quarterback battle, it certainly is that, between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. I guess my first question to you from what you've seen in training camp between these guys, from what your kind of sense is, from what Belichick likes to do, I mean, what do you think the game plan is going into the regular season for these guys? Because honestly, I, I just, I don't really have a good sense for where Bill Belichick's head is at, but to me, if you're the Patriots and you look at the AFC, this might be an okay year to have a down year and try to shore things up around Mac Jones if you think he's your future. This team could make the playoffs. You don't think this team could make the playoffs? I think they could. I think that would be a terrible decision. Or not decision. I think that would be the worst case scenario for them, though, right? You go, I mean, they had that extra year, so I can't throw out normal records. But, like, let's say they go nine, if they go nine and eight this year or something like that, they make the playoffs and then they get curb stomped by the Bills in the first round and they're in the middle of the draft. I mean, does that really help you if you're New England? Well, the Patriots never, Bill Belichick never rebuilds. He doesn't 
believe in tanking. Well, yeah, but he's he's had Tom Brady for all those years. I mean, it's it's easy to not it's easy to not tank when you have the best quarterback of all time under center. But we all know his philosophy. Like he's never gonna. I mean, look what he did this offseason. All he did was sign veterans just just to improve the the like the bare talent level that they had last year and the really bad team that they had last year. Um, the optimistic side with this Patriots team is you give Bill Belichick just a little more talent than they had last year, and they and they actually have a lot more talent than they had last year. And considering how bad they were at seven nine, how how much better can they be now when they have even average level talent um, to go along with uh, Hall of Fame level coaching, right? And, and that includes the quarterback position when you added Mac Jones, who can at least push Ken Newton if not be the starter after a few weeks, which. This is what I think is going to happen. I think Mac will probably be the starter in week four, week five, and Cam might play a series or two here and there as a as a running quarterback. Um, he can obviously give the offense a different dimension, but at the end of the day, I think Mac Jones will be the main starter by the end of the season. Uh, and I mean, if you look at this team, it's a pretty good team. Um, they, they still kind of lack in the skill position area. But, I mean, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar have to be better than whatever the heck they had last year. <laughs> Jacoby Myers did show, did show signs as to be a pretty good starting receiver in this league. Their offensive line is excellent, even though they lost Joe Tooney. Um, their tight end play is light years better than it was last season with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith in town. Uh, their, running, their, running, their running back play looks, looks pretty good heading into this year, uh, especially if Cam Newton is the quarterback. Damien Harris had a lot of interesting signs last season. And then defensively, they're as deep as they've been in a very long time. Like, this is a very exciting unit. Uh, their front seven is just loaded with dudes who, you know, can at least play to some degree. Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, Lawrence Guy, Henry Anderson, Devon Godshaw, Chase Winovich, Josh Uche, Christian Barmore, Dante Hightower, Jawan Bentley. I mean, they are just loaded in the front seven. And their secondary has been... Uh, one of the better units in the league pretty consistently for three or four years now. So that was kind of a rosy look of, at the Patriots. But, I mean, this team could make the playoffs and, and be a pretty good team depending on how the skill position uh, spots, especially a wide receiver and the quarterback play goes. Like, that's going to be the real question mark with this team because defensively they have a potential top 10 unit because their depth and um, influx of new talent. And then offensively, you know they're gonna run the ball when they're on the line of scrimmage, but can they make enough explosive plays downfield for it to even matter? So, it, this is a really fascinating team that no one really knows what's gonna happen because they have two completely different quarterbacks with completely different styles, and it, it, but they also have the talent to you know be like a ten win team, and that's kind of what I lean toward this season. But I can see I can also see eight and nine if you know things go wrong and they have a couple injuries. So. I don't know. I, I think at the bare minimum, this is better than last year's team. Certainly, certainly has a much higher ceiling than last year's team. If only because they made more offseason moves, I think, than any other team in the NFL. They made 25 offseason signings. A lot of those are guys that they brought back, but still, I mean, this team is completely different from the iteration that we saw a year ago. At least in my opinion, if you're Bill Belichick, if you're going with the strategy of we don't we don't blow it up, we don't you know tank, we don't go for poor draft picks. I think you give Cam Newton three, maybe four weeks tops 
And if your team is not 3-1, and 4-0, you throw Mac Jones in and you see what happens. And if you find out that Mac Jones is a guy that you can build around, then great. And if the team ends up falling apart at the seams, then you have a chance to start over, but you gave it everything that you have. But I agree. I think the defense is going to be fine. That's not the issue here. The biggest issue for me right now is, is health number one for some of these skill players. And then obviously on the other side of that, who is going to be taking snaps under center? Who is going to be quarterbacking this team? If it's Cam Newton, Okay, fine, but but ultimately, if you're a if you're a New England fan, as I'm sure you know, you would probably agree. You want to see what you've got with Mac Jones here, and that does seem like yeah. a priority. Working him in has to be a priority this year for Belichick and company in New England. Well, I, most rookie quarterbacks aren't very good their first year. Mm-hmm. It's just how it how the how hard it's just how hard the position is, and uh, and I mean the it's usually quarterbacks they're around you know maybe the 21st 22nd best QB in the league that's on average uh and yeah like they're kind of hurting their potential as a team if they start Mac Jones but and Cam Newton gives them more of a ceiling for sure just given his athletic abilities and and what he did in Carolina but you want to see what you got in your first round rookie I mean you drafted the guy in the first round for a reason and I just don't believe in Cam Newton's shoulder to to say that he can be the MVP guy that he used to be, you know, I just don't see it. So uh, I'm I'm a Mac Jones believer. I think he can be a pretty solid NFL quarterback, uh, around a Kirk Cousins sort of type, and you can win with Kirk Cousins. So I don't know it, it, with the right coaching staff, uh, I should say. But uh, and, and of course they do. So uh, this is an interesting Pats team. I think I have them slightly out of the playoffs right now, but I could they could certainly make it. Yeah, I think final final thought here on the Patriots before we move on. I actually think that you have a higher ceiling with Mac Jones just because he's an unknown quantity. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see Cam Newton return to his Carolina greatness. I think that, you know, he had a full season for the most part to, to see if he could do it with the Patriots a year ago, and it didn't happen. So, yes, Mac Jones as a rookie is going to lower your floor, but I would almost argue that just seeing what you've got does technically have a higher ceiling than a guy in Cam Newton that has just regressed to a point where he's not even really a viable NFL star. But there is another team in the AFC East that's got a new quarterback in town, and that's the New York Jets, who finished 2-14 and a year ago, five games below where they finished 2019. Zach Wilson, taken second overall out of BYU, will take over. And Koki, I'm going to really press your memory here. If you can remember all the way back to 2018, when we were in college... Uh, they were in a similar spot. They sucked. They were bad at football, and they used an early pick to take a quarterback. His name was Sam Darnold. I guess my biggest question to you, and I know the answer to this, at least from from my perspective, but when you look at the terrible team that drafted Sam Darnold in 2018 and went into that 2019 season, and when you look at the terrible 2-14 and 14 team that just drafted Zach Wilson, what are the key differences in terms of how they've built that team around him and how he might actually be able to have some success this year, which is something that Darnold really, really just struggled to do with the Jets? Uh, the key differences is everything. Everything is different. Thank you. Um, because Joe Douglas is a great GM and he's built himself already has built Zach Wilson, a better and more competent uh, supporting cast than what Sam Darnold ever had in his years in New York. Um, their offensive line is much improved. Uh, Morgan Moses was a solid addition at right tackle. We saw the splashes of Mekhi Becton last season. He's a beast. Elijah Vera Tucker was a great pick at guard. I don't care that they traded up for him and they might have given up too much. I mean, they needed a really solid guy in the interior of that line. 
I mean, obviously you have questions about McGovern and Ren Roten, but I mean, let's not nitpick too too much here. This is it's not like they're gonna like make the playoffs or anything this season. As much as I like this team, I think their wide receiver core is really diverse and interesting. They have five guys that I think can make an impact in the game, and there's not a ton of teams that uh, can can also say that. And I mean, their running back core will be fine, and I I just think yeah, Zach Wilson he's gonna be a roller coaster ride this year, but he has the pieces around him to sort of build something interesting in New York. And uh, you can bring in Matt LaFleur's brother to call the plays, and you got a really interesting uh, Jets team on offense. Uh, I, I worry about their defense uh, after the uh, Carl Lawson injury from yesterday. That was really crushing because they really, really need a pass rush because their quarterback play is probably the worst quarterback play in the league. Um, because the rest of this defense is pretty interesting, right? Is CJ Mosley's coming back? Gerard Davis is an interesting flyer. Sheldon Rankins and Quinton Williams are very talented on the inside. And then they have really solid safety play with Marcus May. So uh, they really needed a pass rush just to have a competent defense. But now it's uh, without Carl Lawson. As, and I love Carl Lawson. I think he's one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league. Uh, most people haven't heard of him because he played with the Bengals last year. Um and that's why I'm I'm kind of worried about their defense uh, quite a bit now. And but I I do think this the Jets have hope even with this Carl Lawson injury. And they might only win like five games this year. I I think I picked them to go six and ten before the Lawson injury, and maybe even excuse me six and eleven because of the extra game. I hate that's it. It's going to screw me up. It's, <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? Um, but I, I I'm very high on this Jets team. If they were in an easier division, I might even have them winning seven games with the Carl Lawson injury. I, I just think they're well run. I love the Robert Sala hire. I mean, I can go down the line. Like, I really, really, really like what the Jets are doing. No, uh, I, GM Joe Douglas. I completely agree. And I think that I think that it's not even a hot take to say. I think of all the teams last year that just absolutely sucked, if you're looking at the Eagles, the Lions, maybe the Falcons, I don't know if you throw them in there or not, but certainly the Jaguars, the Texans, the Bengals, the Jets are going to have the best season of all of those teams this year. I, I think far and away, even if Zach Wilson, you know, it takes a little bit longer to kind of figure it out. You want to go back to, I want to go back to that point that I made really quickly and then we'll move on. Cause obviously there's no reason to spend too much time talking about the New York jets, but I, I do want to ask you this Koki in 2018, yeah. how many pass catchers from that jets team can you name? That was only two years ago. How many of the top pass catchers that Sam Darnold had to work with that year? Can you name Robbie Anderson? Yep. Um, Do you want the list? Yeah, I don't know. All right. Second second on the team in receiving was Chris Herndon, then Quincy Anua, then Jermaine Curse, Terrell Pryor, Elijah McGuire, Isaiah Crowell, Trenton Cannon, Deontay Burnett, Jordan Leggett, Bilal Powell, Andre Roberts, Eric Tomlinson. That was your (laughs) top 15. I mean, it was it was the worst thing I've ever seen. So, yeah, you know, again, Wilson's going to have weapons. And, uh, you know, you already mentioned every single name that I would have brought up on the defensive side. This team is going to be solid. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, injury or no injury. They are in a bit of a tough division again with the Bills, the Dolphins, and a revamped Patriots squad. But I I really do think that the Jets are going to see a bit of a renaissance this year. And if Zach Wilson turns into the piece that they want to build around, well, then you're talking about an entirely different situation for the future. But for this year, probably no sense in wasting too much time on the New York Jets. Let's move on to a division that is just in shambles let's talk about the afc south down in your part of the country 
And let's start by talking about really the only team that we think is going to be okay, and that's the Tennessee Titans. They were 11-5 last year. They were up two wins from what they were a year before. They bring back Tannehill, Henry, A.J. Brown, and oh yeah, by the way, they pick up Julio Jones, who is, you know, aging, but certainly a very good piece. They add Caleb Farley in the draft to add shore up their DB, but my biggest question for you here when it comes to the Tennessee Titans is this. Do you trust this defense, and is this team really any better, or are they worse than the team that lost to Baltimore a year year ago um i think they're better than they were last year it's just a matter of can aj can uh can julio jones stay healthy and can they survive with lack of they they lost a decent amount of depth this offseason even though they got some top tier talent like uh like uh like julio as we said and uh bud dupree so yeah Tennessee's an interesting team. I think they're going to be better than they were last year defensively. And offensively, it really comes down to can how important was Arthur Smith really in uh, designing this offense? Because on paper, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, what, like a borderline top 10 quarterback, probably a top 10 quarterback. Derrick Henry, a top five running back. And then A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, a wide receiver. Like, they could, they should score like a million points. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You, you can... You know, you can point question marks at some at their offensive line a little bit, maybe. But I, I think at the end of the day, like their offense is a chance to be really, really incredibly expo- explosive. Um, but it's really again, it's going to come down to health for them on that side of the ball. And on defense, they got better. Uh, I, I think that Janoris Jenkins was a nice addition. At, you know, someone to anyone to replace Malcolm Butler. And what and the and the disaster they had in the secondary last year, uh, can they get get some forward steps from guys like Rashawn Evans and Jalen Brown at linebacker? That should be interesting to see. But Dupree is a major addition on the edge, and they need and they need progress from guys like Jeffrey Simmons, who has who has shown some interesting flashes at defensive tackle, and uh, and can Caleb Farley stay healthy? Because if Caleb Farley was healthy, he would have been. Probably a top ten pick last year um, because the guy is so big and, and and can move his body so well at that size. So I'm really interested to see like how their defense sort of evolves this season and how they can uh, and how their offense can operate without uh, the master behind the strings in Arthur Smith. So I I think given how poor the rest of this division is, even though I think the Colts are pretty frisky, but we'll get to them in a, in a moment. Um, I, they should almost certainly win the division. I don't know how high their ceiling is, but because we just don't really know in terms of the play calling perspective, you know, I think they're going to do a lot of similar stuff, but that's easier said than done. Um, yeah, this is a, it seems kind of like a boring team, but they added uh, like a surprising amount of pieces and kind of revamped their defense and added freaking Julio Jones. So we'll see. We'll see. They should make the playoffs, though. But at the end of the day, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, they're, they're, they feel like a lock for the playoffs, even if by some miracle they don't find a way to make the... I, I don't know. I just don't see a scenario where Tennessee isn't in the playoffs. But I also agree. I think this is a good conversation to put a pin in and kind of come back and revisit it. I will be interested to see what the state of Tennessee is in Week 4 going into Week 5. The team that is a little bit more interesting, another 11-5 team from a year ago, up four wins from 2019, is the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, that year, they did all of that damage with Phillip Rivers. This season, they'll be relying on Carson Wentz, who is coming off of a foot surgery. They're saying now that he should be ready to go for week one, which is important. 
my first question to you is this we have we have had our fair share of of kind of poking fun at Carson Wentz but let's not sugarcoat it he was running for his life a majority of last year he had the most sacks of his career at 50 he threw the most interceptions of his career at 15 compared to only 16 touchdowns decision making did not seem to be there I'm not giving him too much benefit of the doubt here but at the same time I don't see any way that this season can be worse for him than what it was a year ago in Philly. And I think when you look at the competence, not only of the organization, but also of some of the pieces that he has around him in Indy, I feel like this is a really good situation for Carson Wentz to be going into. And I think if he can return even to, you know, 70%, 80% of the player he was at the height of the Philadelphia Eagles run, I think this is an Indianapolis team that can be very interesting going into the season. Yeah, I think Wentz's health is the only thing that could really stop this offense from being really interesting and um, maybe not like fully like explosive great, but uh, borderline top 10. And it's because I, I, I've been hearing a lot of positive stuff when it comes to, you know, the way they've sort of developed Wentz and, and like small adjustments they've made, like uh, like shortening his base, like his feet were so wide when he was throwing the football and it kind of limited his um, ability to make accurate throws down the field. And now they're trying to shorten his stance a little bit. Like they're doing all these little um, uh, tweaks, both mentally and physically to him that I think are really positive. And and I know that sounds like coach BS talk, but it it is, it it was really interesting to sort of learn about that stuff. And I mean, look, look, I mean, if you look at the rest of the roster, it's, it's an excellent, it's an excellent roster. Um, as long as they can sort of figure out the left tackle situation and can get that at least squared away to an average level uh, with the Eric Fisher and Sam Tevy combination there. And I don't think Fisher right, will be ready for week one, but that's a whole other story. Uh, their offense should be really good because Quentin Nelson is an all-time guard who can lead the way in the running attack. I mean, Jonathan Taylor showed that he's a, a true blue number one back as long as he can protect the football and I'm more bullish on the wideouts than I think most people are. I think Pittman showed some really good signs last season. T.Y. Hilton is ageless, despite the fact that he's really injury-prone. And as long as Wentz can be, again, like you said, competent, uh, 70% of what he used to be, that's all they really need for this offense to be really good again. And they're going to make more explosive plays when Carson Wentz is throwing the ball instead of Philip Rivers, who is more of a procedural dink-and-dunk quarterback, right? So their offense is going to be really interesting to see this season. I only the only worry is is Wentz's health, right? Because I mean, the guy already got hurt in training camp. Who says it's not going to happen again? So uh, injuries with this team are might be the number one concern, especially in the offensive side of the ball. And defensively, I think they're going to be uh, pretty good. I mean, their cornerback play is is a worry for sure. Um, and I do and I do question whether Quiddy Pay, a first round pick, can just can jump in there and, and be an impact pass rusher on day one but the rest of the defense is very good i mean their safety plays solid they have really good linebackers darius leonard's an all pro level player deforest buckner's amazing um but i mean i mean we'll see like this is a team that i can certainly see making the playoffs i think i had them just outside the playoffs because of the wentz injury um but i i i'm kind of interested to hear hear your thoughts on on this team Yeah, I have two and a half points that I want to make here on the Indianapolis Colts. First of all, that last playoff spot is going to be so interesting because, as you mentioned, it seems like the Dolphins should, if things go well, lock up that sixth spot. But for the seven, the teams that you're realistically talking about competing for that, it's it's going to be the Patriots, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Colts. 
that's really about it. And so I, I just, of those teams, assuming that Wentz is healthy and assuming, of course, that, you know, last year wasn't foreshadowing just a career collapse and this is just it for Carson Wentz. I think they can make the postseason this year. They're going to have some contention there. It's not going to be easy. There are some teams that may have a little bit more talent. But again, I just I like the stability that you get with the Colts. And I guess it's an unfair hypothetical to even bring up. But the thing that kills me about this team is that if you look at the roster they have this year and you look at the pieces that they have this year, if they still had Andrew Luck, which again is such a far cry from anything that could even be possible, like this could be a really good team. They just didn't have a chance to put the pieces together when he was there, and and now they're kind of on a quarterback carousel of guys that were good elsewhere, and they bring into Indy. But yeah, I mean, if if Wentz is good, I think this is a team that can make the playoffs. I don't think they can beat anybody, but I think they can make the playoffs, similar to what we saw a season ago. I mean, this team almost beat the bills like they came really close in a really awesome game to watch um but i think they have just enough question marks to say that they're definitely a tier or two below the bills at the moment yes um but i'm just saying like it's not that far-fetched to say that they could win a playoff game or two because they would just need carson wentz to be um most of carson wentz again and they need quitty pay to be great like a lot of things would have to happen that a lot of right things would have to happen right they, they, they trade for a corner like all these all these things would have to fall in their direction that just seem kind of unrealistic so that's why we have them as like a borderline playoff team but i mean the way this team has been built and how well they're managed and how well they're coached by frank reich it gives you hope in terms of them being um, a playoff team for sure, even with all the injuries and stuff that's going on with them this offseason. And I'm actually glad that you you and I agree on this because I think there are people around the NFL that would vehemently disagree. But I think that there's there's no doubt that if he can play again, even at 70 to 80 percent of what he was, I think you're still taking a step up by going from Philip Rivers, who is more of a game manager to Carson Wentz, who definitely when he's on and when his pieces around him are playing well, has a lot more to offer. Before we move on really quickly from the Colts. You may have already seen this, so this may not be as entertaining for me as I think it might be. But let me just ask you, do you know T.Y. Hilton's real name? I don't know. I actually don't know this. This is interesting. Okay. Hit me. Eugene Marquise Hilton. There is neither a T nor a Y in his full name. (laughs) Also, do you know Julio Jones' real name? Oh, no. I don't know this either. It's not Julio. His name is Quintorius Lopez Jones. I would just keep Quintorius. So, I, I would be happy with that. Yeah. So there are your <laughs> there are your fun facts for the day. But anyway, let's let's move on and let's not waste too much time on these next couple of teams. But let's all everybody take a moment to laugh at the Houston Texans. Oh my God! You want to talk about an organization in disarray? This has been coming for a couple of years now, but I don't think we knew it was going to blow up so spectacularly. This was a ten-win team two seasons ago. They finished last year four and twelve. Their generational talent in JJ Watt is gone. Get a draft pick because they had traded it before the draft had happened, so they didn't have a chance to cash in on their failure a year ago. You look at this team this year, especially on offense, they have just a patchwork of old names from other players or from other teams. (laughs) It's Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Philip Lindsay at running back, Brandon Cooks and Chris Conley are your top two wide receivers. The defense is going to be a train wreck this year. And look, if I'm Houston and especially the fact that you didn't get a draft pick a year ago, it is tank city for the Texans this year, at least in my opinion. Yeah, this is a one win team. Um... I think the only plus they have are the only pluses 
or potential plus that they have is Tunsil at left tackle. He's an all pro. And then if Marcus Cannon can be the guy he used to be in New England, then I guess right tackle too. And that's about it because the rest of the roster is uh, quite bad. Um, Chris Connolly and Anthony Miller are guys that, you know, if they're your third or fourth wideouts in your depth chart, that's not terrible, but they're going to be um, getting a lot of run on this team. Cooks can never stay healthy. Their running back play is a joke. Um, I and, and that's in a league where almost every team is a good running back. <laughs> and, and, of course, like you said, defensively, they have just a bunch of dudes that they added from the scrap heap um, in an attempt to raise the floor of this team. Um, because the cover was so bare in the first place. I mean, this team signed like what, like 15 guys. It seemed like this off season. I mean, Nick Casero, he also comes from the Belichick coaching uh, tree of thinking where uh, tanking is not an option and uh, trying to be as competitive as possible every single year is, is the goal. And uh, given the lack of resources Casario had, he had to basically go out there and uh, sign a bunch of dudes like Philip Lindsay and Christian Kirksey and <laughs> guys like that. So this team's going to be really bad this season. And uh, I'm looking at uh, a solid one sixteen year uh, from the Houston Texans. Yep. Sounds about right. I will say, though, if you go back in history, you could make like this could be one of the best historical fantasy football like preseason draft pick running back cores ever. You have Mark Ingram, who used to be really good. You have David Johnson, who at one point was like the number one or number two off of everyone's boards. And you have Philip Lindsay, who at one point was really good. And then all of them are just, you know, older and washed up and just not producing anymore. This team is sad. It saddens me to talk about the Texans. I don't want to be sad. Let's move on and talk about a team that actually has a future. The Jacksonville Jaguars. They won one game last year, five down from the year before, and the reward for their their ineptitude is Trevor Lawrence. Now, we've seen this a couple of times where a team is absolutely terrible, and part of the reason for that is the fact that they do not have an offensive line. So the concern, obviously, it's a little bit there, but let me just ask you, Trevor Lawrence, straight swap, the team that they're walking into this year, I mean, that alone, I think, increases them to probably a four or five, maybe even a six-win team if things are going well. Ooh, What's your, uh, Maybe not that many, but, pushing it. but yeah, look, at what the, pushing look what the Bengals did. I mean, even without Joe Burrow for a full season, which uh, fortunately you didn't have to sit in on that conversation between Alex and I yesterday, but... <laughs> They're going to be better. Like, they can't be any worse. They were 1-15 last year. Yeah, I, that's fair. Um, I'm still pretty down on this team in general. If they had better coaching, I'd be a lot more optimistic. But Urban Meyer is the is the, <laughs> is the problem with this team. Um, we've already seen with some of the controversial moves he's made, especially with, what was it, the strength, the strength coach they had and then didn't have because of the whole controversial thing. And they bring in Tim Tebow. And it, it just kind of seems like Urban Meyer doesn't totally know what he's doing as the head coach. And that's really a problem, especially when you're trying to build a program literally from the ground up a team that won one game last season. Uh, even though like on paper, like you said, like they have some talent, um, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, Visca Chanel, that wide receiver, you could definitely do worse than that. Uh, Travis Etienne, even though they picked him way too high in the draft, he's still a really talented guy with a lot of speed. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a superstar and it's going to be amazing with this team. Their offensive line is definitely not good, but it's I think it's a little better than Cincinnati's was last season, uh, especially if Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor can sort of develop into slightly better players heading into uh, this season. So their offense has definitely has some potential and a lot of speed, and which is a uh, which of course is an Urban Meyer trademark. So they, they could be a little bit frisky on that, and they'll certainly be better than they were 
uh, last year. And then, but, and then defensively, they definitely have some talent, right? I mean, Josh Allen, Clavon chase on, on the ends, there are two former first round picks. They have some depth on the inside. They added Malcolm Brown um, among others, uh, miles jacket. And at, at linebacker, they did, they did just trade Joe show Scobert to the Steelers, which I, I assume you guys talked about a little bit, uh, yesterday. And then their secondary, they, they have some guys, um, and, Former first round picks like CJ Henderson. I thought they overpaid for Shaquille Griffin, but he's better than whatever the heck they had last year. So, like you said, they have a, on paper, this team could win six games, but I just think the coaching could be an absolute disaster. And, and that's kind of my um, sticking point with this team why I think they're more of like a four win team. Yeah. Uh, than five or six i think coaching definitely hurts um before we move on i i do need a, a somber moment of silence um for for gardner Minshew, <laughs> and i also need a brief moment of silence for for tim tebow <laughs> <laughs> may they rest in peace all right let's move on to a division that used to be really fun but oh what a mess this has turned into let's talk about the nfc south baby that's right it's time to talk about a division that a couple of years ago, you know, it was one of those kind of like the uh, kind of like the NFC West is now. We're like, hey, any of these teams can make the playoffs. And now one of these teams is going to make the playoffs. Uh, the others likely will not. And unfortunately, because we are going in order of best record to worst record last year, this conversation has to start with the New Orleans Saints. Oh, boy. New Orleans finished last year 12 and four. Obviously, the biggest difference. Drew Brees is not there anymore. So you now have a quarterback battle between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. God Christ, what a situation this is for my favorite team. They bring in Devontae Freeman, Ty Montgomery, Chris Hogan, a couple of other pieces. It ultimately doesn't matter. Jameis or Taysom, I still think that the ceiling for this team would be just above maybe 500, and that's if Jameis Winston has some kind of career renaissance. Personally, I think it shouldn't even be a battle. It should probably just be Jameis's team going forward because Taysom Hill is a gadget guy. He is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's just not. There's no way that you can look at what he did last year. Again, he's really fun to bring in if you you don't know what he's going to do if he needs to pick up more than eight yards you are screwed and so again if you're new orleans i get that sean payton likes him i don't understand how anyone in their right mind thinks that he is a qb1 it's got to be Jameis's team going forward if you want to give yourself a chance to do anything i do think even though this team was completely over the salary cap or not salary cap but even though this team was paying the luxury tax they had way too much money on the books they had to get rid of a lot of talent this is still going to be a pretty solid defense. They bring back Marshawn Lattimore. Marcus Williams has been improving steadily over the last couple of years. You still have your golden goose in the draft a few years ago in Marcus Davenport. You still have your veteran guy in Cam Jordan. You have a lot of other competent guys, Quan Alexander and Demario Davis at linebacker. You know, it's not going to be as good as renditions past. You also have a pretty solid win healthy offensive line. And I think they shored that up in the draft this year as well. Talking about bringing in Eric McCoy. So I think overall, this is a Saints team that unfortunately is probably just going to be okay. I don't necessarily think that this team makes the playoffs. And I think that, you know, the, the best case scenario is that Jameis comes out and gets them to be maybe one game over 500. Or there is also the scenario where Jameis Winston is just an absolute hot mess of a train wreck in a dumpster fire sliding down a mountain, and this team comes out and wins five games. I don't really know, and at this point, I don't really know that I care, because as a Saints fan, they had their window, they blew it, they didn't win their championship, Drew Brees retires with one ring, which is a tragedy, and we all have to move on now. I I mean, does does any of this feel off to you at all, Koki, or do you kind of share the sentiment on New Orleans? 
Hmm. I share the sentiment, but I do have some extra notes, separate notes, um, separate concerns. Uh, their offensive line is really freaking good. Yeah. I mean, from left tackle to right tackle, it's Armstead, Pete, McCoy, Cesar, Cesar Ruiz, and Ryan Ramchick. Like, there's not a lot of holes there. Um, and then at quarterback, I mean, it's going to be fascinating, right? Uh, and I think a lot of your holes on offense is going to be filled by just Sean Payton being Sean Payton and um, you know being the offensive innovator that he is and the consistency of how good their offenses have been over the years. I mean, a lot of that has to do with Drew Brees, but a lot of that has to do, obviously, with um, just Sean Payton being Sean Payton. And, I mean, last year they survived offensively with Drew Brees out for much of the year due to injury. So I it'll be interesting to see, like, can Jameis just not – turn over the ball too much and but with better co- I mean with better coaching and better weapons we'll see if that can be true right because we know Winston has the talent he was the number one overall pick for a reason and showed and ser- certainly showed flashes as a starter in Tampa Bay but I mean can he just not turn over the ball like it's not that's probably your number one thing and then your number two question mark is can Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara stay healthy and so far with Thomas that that's a no um, but if one of those guys gets out, then all of a sudden the rest of your skill position, position players, it's, it's really thin because the next guy is Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway. Marquez Callaway, I think that's how you say it. And that's, they don't yeah. have much at tight end with Adam Troutman. So uh, and that, the, those two things worry me quite a bit. Um, and, but if both of them go, if both of those things go the right way, though, this team has a chance to be pretty good again, uh, like a 10 win team because of just how talented Winston is and how well potential and the talent around him and um, the explosive talent around him with Kamara and Thomas are arguably the best players at their position, but not a lot of depth there. And there's still the question at quarterback. So this is a really interesting offense. And then defensively, as you said, talent, they have uh, leftover talent from years past, but not as much depth as they used to have. I mean, they're going to, their pass rush is going to rely a lot on Cam Thomas, Cam Jordan, excuse me, who is older and uh, probably can't hold the same sort of load he's had in years past. And they lost some some of their pass rushing depth. No more Trey Hendrickson. Uh, Marcus Davenport has never been the guy that they thought he could be. And this is kind of the make or break year for him. And I'm a little bit worried about how much their pass rusher relies on him. And Peyton Turner's just a rookie. So it's hard to put too much expectations on a guy like that. They should be fine at linebacker. Um, and then their secondary outside of Marshawn Lattimore is, is a little bit of a question mark. I mean, their safety play is going to be good again, of course, but not a lot of cornerback depth there. So they just lost a lot of depth because of their cap situation over the years and going for it in, in a very strong and intense way as, as, uh, as they should have. And as you said, so it, it, I mean, this, this thing seems pretty interesting. There's a lot of interesting teams in, in the NFC South outside of the number one, the obvious number one team, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I mean, I, I don't want to count out this team too much, but I do have a pretty healthy amount of question marks with them. Yeah, that, that's fair. And also, there is this small, maybe 5% of my brain that is naive enough to think that maybe under a different coaching staff in a different system, Jameis Winston, if he can shed some of the interceptions. I mean, again, he he has talent, right? We're talking about a yeah. guy that threw for yeah. over 5,000 yards. He had 33 touchdowns, but he also had 30 interceptions in the same season. So, like, yeah. even if you cut that in half, if you're talking about a 5,000-yard th- season and 33 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, I mean, those are those are really good numbers. So, 
you know, again, I'm not expecting anything to shift dramatically. I also think that if Jameis is the number one guy, then you have an opportunity to continue using Taysom Hill the way that he's been used in the past, and maybe that can work for you. But enough time talking about a team that, again, is likely going to be a complete non-factor when it comes to playoff time. Let's instead talk about the team that is probably not just favored to win the NFC, but Honestly, given what we saw a year ago, given kind of what we know about some of the other teams, one of probably the two biggest favorites to win it all again this year, and that is the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They finished 11-4 last year, went on a crazy run through the postseason, and then most impressively capped it off with a just dunking of the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl to get Tom Brady yet another ring. And for the most part, they're running it back. You look at the roster that they have this season, not a lot of holes, not a lot of missing spots, and a team that is hungry to go ring chasing once again this year. They're still veteran heavy, they've got a lot of talent, and they do have a lot of those guys that came up with Tampa that are looking to kind of continue what could be the beginning of, you know, kind of like a mini dynasty, if you want to call it that. I guess with Tampa, I really just don't see any holes. You look up and down the step chart. I mean, there really is not a spot that you you really question when you see this team and kind of what they're made of. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about here because they have the same exact team as they had last year, like pretty much down to a T. They brought, every, they literally brought everybody back. I, I believe it's all 22 starters are back from last year's team and that's just unbelievable and unheard of and it, i mean next year they're gonna have to make tough choices and they and it's gonna be financially impossible for that to happen but i mean they're all they're going all all in this season as they should and their roster as you said has uh zero holes i mean i don't know if we have to even go through this uh this depth chart too too much with this team because i think everyone knows what they've got i mean mike evans chris godwin came back um antonio brown i mean their offensive line is loaded they have no holes there i mean they have they they heck they have tight end depth with oj howard coming back from injury i mean i think we all forgot about him because he was out all of last season i mean tom brady the greatest quarterback of all time is still they are very good at his job at the end of the day and they have running back depth they added Gio bernard in free agency i mean defensively they should be at least as good as they were last season if not better and I mean, offensively, it took them what, like half the year for them to like gel and uh, and get used to playing with each other. But now they're fully now they're going into the season fully gelled and used to playing with each other with, I mean, potential pro bowlers up and down the roster. So uh, this team could easily be the best team in, in the NFL and walk to the Super Bowl. I think the really the only concern you have is injury luck because they had very good injury luck last season. They they stayed relatively healthy throughout the year. Um, even though Brady was playing with a torn MCL, but that's a whole uh, another discussion. But like this roster is unbelievable. I mean, on paper they have no holes, and they're bringing back everybody, including the same coaching staff and the whole thing. It, it's it, it's really intimidating, actually. But as long as they can stay relatively healthy, they should. I mean, it would be a pretty big disappointment if they didn't make the Super Bowl if they stay healthy. So, um, so I, I'm. I don't know if we should, but to me, that isn't a slam dunk because of how lucky they were last year. So that's really the only discussion we should have about this team. Right. There is one other discussion, and that's the two other teams. And Alex and I talked a little bit about this yesterday. The two other teams in the NFC that I think could maybe possibly on the right day give this team a run for their money. The first is the team that almost did it last season, the Green Bay Packers. And I'm a little bit down on Green Bay. Granted, they bring back a lot of the same pieces. You've still got Aaron Rodgers, who's Aaron Rodgers. But in my opinion, if there's one team that I'm looking at as kind of the last bastion of the NFC to keep Tampa Bay out of the Super Bowl, it's got to be the Rams. 
And I know we're not talking about the Rams on this episode. We already had a chance to talk about them yesterday, but I just wanted to get your take on that. If it comes down to Rams and Buccaneers in that NFC championship game and both teams are fully healthy, obviously when it comes to the roster and who they have, you know, at most of these positions, Tampa Bay would have a little bit of an upper hand, but at least from where I'm sitting on the right day, I still think the Rams could do it. If we, if the Rams had the same exact defense as they had last year, that say they bring back um, Staley and bring back John Johnson and some of the other guys that they lost in free agency and um, the coaching carousel and whatnot, then yes, I think they would be at the same tier. I think the Rams and the Packers are a tier below this team just because they, I mean, like I said, they brought everybody back and their biggest problem issue last season was, you know, having so many new faces and having to gel everybody together. They still won the Super Bowl despite having all those those obstacles in the pandemic. Now they have none of those obstacles. And it, to me, injuries are the wild card here and can easily get a team like the Rams into the Super Bowl. I'm not telling Rams fans to just, like, pack it up this season. It's over. Um, and, and I think they're going to be a fascinating team. I'm really high on the Rams as well, uh, given the Stafford edition and – um, and I think they're going to be pretty good defensively, even though, even though they might not be quite as good as they were at the end of last season. Um, but I, I, I do think at the end of the day, the Bucks are probably in their own tier when it comes to them against the rest of the NFC. Even though, again, Green Bay almost beat them. Um, but Green Bay, it's a really weird situation what's going on over there. Yeah. So, yeah. And we had kind of a chance to talk about that yesterday. And that's part of the reason why with the addition of Stafford, even with some of the departures the Rams have, I still like the Rams a little bit better than the Packers. But those two teams are both sitting in a different tier, certainly than this Tampa Bay Buccaneers squad. Two teams remain in the NFC South, and we don't need to waste a lot of time talking about them. One of them is the Carolina Panthers. Oh, boy. Five and 11 last year. Same record as the year before. Sam Darnold is here. That is kind of exciting maybe I guess Christian McCaffrey will also return from injury I guess my only concern there is I don't necessarily know how well those two pair with each other I think that Christian McCaffrey has always benefited from having you know kind of a, a mobile quarterback or at least a quarterback who's capable of scrambling and kind of being a threat on the ground when you put a guy like Sam Darnold in that system who's a little bit more of that classic pocket passer I, I just don't know how that's going to gel they also drafted JC Horn obviously but to me the Panthers are still just more or less completely irrelevant this year I'll be interested to see if Darnold can have some kind of a comeback, but this team does not really interest me that much. I disagree. I really? Think this team does interest me. Will they be good? I don't know. That, <laughs> okay. That's question, then it's like, then I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. But like, I will say, if there's going to be a surprise team in the NFC this year, and every year we have one team that just is like, oh, wait, they're good this year, and last year was the Dolphins – Year, uh, a couple years before that, the Niners went from 5-11 to making the Super Bowl. Uh, every year this happens where a team kind of comes out of nowhere and they have some interesting pieces, but they're never able to really put it together until all of a sudden they get the right coaching and the right roster together and, and a bunch of things go right for them and they're all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, or, or, or heck, even the playoffs. This could be that team. Like if you're going to pick one team, if I forced you to pick one team that – we're not really considering as a shoe in for the playoffs, but could make it. I think it's the, the Panthers because Darnold flat out has more talent, even though he's probably worse than Teddy Bridgewater and his arm talent and, and quarterback talent alone could open up a lot more different options for Joe Brady in that offense. And we all, we already know Joe Brady's a great coordinator. 
We already know that they have a very good receiving core. You add in Terrace Marshall Jr. as the number three wideout, and it's even deeper than it was a year ago. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, as long as he stays relatively healthy, gives them a whole brand new dynamic that they didn't have last year. Their offense could be very exciting this year, depending on if Donald can, you know, keep down the turnovers. And this is probably the best supporting supporting cast and coaching staff he's ever had. So there's reason to believe that he could actually be pretty decent this season. And they have a lot of belief in him, it sounds like, um, through these training camp reports. And I'm really interested to see what the, what the offense can do. It's a lot more explosive. It's a lot more talented than it was a year ago, just by the mere presence of Christian McCaffrey before we even get into the passing game and uh, Sam Darnold. And then defensively, they should be a little better than they were last year, a little more experienced. They added some they, – they, they did a good job of concentrating on – um, they're sec- trying to improve their secondary this year with AJ Bouye and JC Horn. Um, can they get enough pressure on the quarterback? I think there's definitely a chance that they can with Hassan Reddick. Brian Burns is a really inter- is a really good player. Can Derek Brown take that next step after being a first round pick? They have talent, and I like what they saw from the coaching staff last year. I like the fact that they lost a lot of close games, which is a good sign in terms of them maybe turning those seven point losses into ten point wins. Um, I, 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 the Panthers are really interesting to me and I'm not going to say that they're going to make the playoffs. I think that's too far fetched given how, how many problems Sam Darnold had in New York and how skeptical, uh, I mean, a lot of smart people in football are about him just as a good, uh, as being like a good potential starting quarterback in this league. But I wouldn't be stunned if this team made the playoffs. I really wouldn't. So that's kind of my Panther spiel. All right. That, that's certainly not what I was expecting. I don't necessarily, you know, vehemently disagree. I, I just don't know that they did enough in the offseason. You look at the moves that they made. I don't necessarily, I think that with health, this defense does get a little better, but they're still very middling when it comes to the league. But I think ultimately my big thing is I would love to see it happen because I think he's a good guy and I, I don't necessarily think there's any reason that he should be forced to suck forever in the NFL. I just, I just don't know that Sam Darnold is good enough to really make this happen and kind of bring things together for the Panthers. But but he could be. I mean, I just, you know, granted, he had no weapons. We already threw the list out earlier of what he was working with in New York. But you're still talking about a guy who threw 45 touchdowns to 39 interceptions in the course of his career. So that's kind of the concern for me with with Darnold. But you're right. The offense instantly gets better when you bring back Christian McCaffrey. You could have a fathead of Joe Montana playing quarterback. If Christian McCaffrey's healthy, they're going to be better than they were a season ago. So one team to kind of keep an eye on, potentially, the Carolina Panthers. The other team in this division... Uh, that's kind of a similar sentiment, maybe even a little worse. The Atlanta Falcons were four and twelve last year. They drafted Kyle Pitts. Cool. You get a tight end with a third overall pick. He's really good. He's just not an instant fix to their problems. And obviously, they're not going to be as injury ridden as twenty twenty. But man, this team, this franchise, this organization—it peaked at twenty eight to three, and it has been all downhill ever since. That's true. That's true. And I think if they brought back everybody back, they, if they brought everybody back and say Dan Quinn's the head coach again this season, I would have totally agreed with you. And I wouldn't have any hope for this team. But the fact that they're really starting new and like from top to bottom, they're going through these major systematic changes. It sounds like training camp is a lot of on the ground, like building from literally from the ground up in terms of putting in their schematics and whatnot. So 
it sounds like it's a whole new era in Atlanta, and it sounds like they're behind the eight ball in terms of you know getting the team together and putting in their schemes. But that's because everything's so new and so fresh, and that's what you kind of want to hear from a team that has been stuck in the mud with Dan Quinn since that 28-3 to loss, right? So I have some optimism with this team. I think the NFC South actually has a bunch of interesting teams, as you can tell uh, from my perspective. But again, like you said, like they're a little more talent deficient than Carolina and a little bit uh, further back in terms of um, kind of implementing their system than Carolina uh, was. I mean, they're kind of in the spot that Carolina was last season in terms of, yeah, they have some interesting pieces. They have some talent. Um, they have a brand new coaching staff, but I don't even know if this thing can uh, fully come together because I mean, they have talent wide, wide receiver, like, right. Like, I mean, Calvin Ridley is really awesome and Kyle Pitts is a tight end, but he's really a wide receiver. So you have those two guys, top tier talents. Russell Gage is decent. Their offensive line isn't great, but it isn't terrible either. I'd say. And then Matt Ryan's a veteran quarterback and get the ball out. And I think Mike, Mike Davis was a nice addition at running back. So the pieces are there and they have the right court and they have the right, uh, not coordinator, right? They have the right coach in Arthur Smith. So there's a chance they can put up points on the board, but it's a lot of new faces and, and a brand new system. And that's a lot to ask for this season. But they could have show this team could show some flashes on that side of the ball at certainly this season. It's better than having Todd Gurley at running back and you know running the same stale offense that they've had the last few years. I don't say stale offense, but just kind of boring and you know, predictable in a, in, a, in a weird way because we knew what we were going to get out of Julio Jones. We knew what we were going to get out of Matt Ryan. Now we kind of see a different iteration of, of this Matt Ryan offense. And defensively, it's I mean, it's hard to be as bad as they were last year. They still have some talent, of course. Grady Jarrett, can Dante Fowler bounce back from a terrible season last year? Foyer Olakun, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I, I, I apologize if that's not, but apparently he's pretty interesting next to Deion Jones at linebacker. I mean, their cornerback play, Aja Terrell. Uh, apparently a lot of people saw some interesting stuff in him uh, last season. So, I mean, I don't think their defense is going to be good at all. Um, but can it be not? Can it be top 20? Maybe. I, I wouldn't totally rule that out. And then offensively, can they be top 15? Maybe. I wouldn't totally rule that out. I think this team is probably going to win like six games because someone has to be a six or six wins or below in this division. But there's also a path to nine wins if everything got went right. And because just because they have the talent and the coaching to uh, potentially be that team. But again, another weird, interesting team that's kind of in the middle of a phase. And, and I think... Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think organizationally, they're where they need to be. I think that kind of acknowledging that they weren't going to be able to build a contender out of the pieces that they had, being willing to part with Julio Jones, some of the other things that they've done, I think they're trending in the right direction. My point in saying that they weren't interesting was, I meant like in terms of this year. In terms of this year, this is not going to be an interesting team, but I agree with you. I think they've got some, uh, some intriguing pieces and, and they're going to kind of figure out what they've got this year. It'll just be a matter of what kind of success that translates to on the field, I think will be kind of the, the question that needs to be answered there. We do have one last division to talk about here. We saved the worst for last, at least in terms of last year. <laughs> Let's talk about the NFC least. Let's start off with the team that won it all at a whopping seven wins and nine losses. The team that does not have a damn mascot yet. The Washington football team. And let's start off with their quarterback situation. What a joy this is. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. I adore this. They've got some solid weapons. Obviously, Terry McLaurin has been phenomenal. Logan Thomas came out of the woodwork last year and kind of started showing what he can do. You look at a team that also does have some really scary pieces and really overall has a scary defense. It just still feels like this team is not really destined to go anywhere. But again, a team that's kind of starting to to, to turn things around and to do things the right way, both on the field and more importantly, overall in the front office and with the culture of the program surrounding it. Yeah, yeah. I think this team got pretty lucky last season with their schedule and how many close games they won. But at the same time, they went for this this offseason, they went from the worst quarterback in the league in terms of combined play with Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, and Dwayne Haskins to now a fairly average quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's a huge upgrade. Like that can really transform their offense given the talent they added at receiver this year with drafting Deami Brown, bringing in Curtis Samuel. They have Cam Sims and Terry McLaurin, as we said from last year. Um, their offensive line play should be a little better than it was a year ago, depending on how good how good Sam Cosme is right away. Um, and then Antonio Gibson, a running back, he had barely carried the ball at all at Memphis. And last year was really interesting, even though he, again, he had no experience at the position. He's a really good athlete and he started really improving as a runner as the year went along. And there's a lot of optimism around him. And as long as Fitzpatrick can just be competent as as he's been for the last couple of seasons and you know have he'll have his ups and downs as we know but he's been a lot steadier and a lot better as he's gone on over his career and you should have some optimism that this that this excuse me this washington offense can be top 20 in the league I, i i do think that's possible and if that's the case then they can hopefully survive some of the potential regression from their defense because i think defensively they have a ton of talent of course but, I mean, there's always the injury concern. There's always the, the, the holes, the potential holes you could poke at cornerback or even linebacker. Like, how much can you really rely on a guy like Jamin Davis to um, kind of not, not to, I don't say fill a hole, but be a real impact player on day one? Um, there are Chase Young injury away from not having a great pass rush. Like, I mean, there's, 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 because since everything went right for their defense last season, something has to go, almost has to go wrong this year, right? And I think as long if their defense can be somewhere around the top 10 and their offense can be in the top 20, then you're talking about a pretty decent team around 500 that can at least contend for the division and potentially make the playoffs. So I like Washington overall, even though there are signs of regression. I think they did a good, pretty decent job in the offseason of just sort of filling up um, those those holes, especially at quarterback, to put them in a similar spot as they were last year, and then they can probably revisit the quarterback uh, situation uh, heading into next year. I think when I look at the Washington football team, check me on this if you if you see anything wrong with what I'm saying, but at least in my opinion from where I sit, and this is really the only other thing I have to say about this team, they feel like they are no better than the second, probably the third best team in this division, no worse than the third best team in this division, but at least from where I'm sitting, I just don't see a route to the playoffs for this team unless everything goes perfectly right with some of the other teams in the NFC. I I just don't see them making the playoffs this year. Really? Yeah. I think, you don't think they can make the, I think they can make a wild card spot. I think it's very realistic. I haven't gone over it as thoroughly in terms of who I want to pick for the playoffs in the NFC quite as much. But if I'm, let's think about this right now. I, I think this is actually worth the exercise to sort of go over how strong this division 
how much better this division could be this year. Because I think it can be better this year than it was last year because it has to be. It just has to be because it was so bad last year, right? Um, is there anyone in the any, uh, of the three other NFC South teams? Do you think any of them are clearly better than this Washington team? I don't think so. It's not necessarily. So that, that's not exactly For where example, I get hung up. I, I think my my biggest issue is when you're talking about these playoff spots. Like the NFC West exists, and that yeah, in and of itself two, is going to be a problem. If you give them two teams. I, I could this team could certainly be better than Minnesota this year. It's, oh, they're it's no, they're definitely definitely better than Minnesota. For example. Yeah, for example, or or Chicago has still has a has, needs some definitely needs some things to go right for them in the in the north. And I mean, we I, I think this team could definitely slide into that seven six or seven spot, you know. And, and something could go wrong with one of the with one of the NFC West teams, even if Minnesota hits this year. So I think this team has definitely has, has a really good shot at making the playoffs again. Honestly, I, I honestly do. Or even winning the division because, you know, Dallas is Dallas. They're weird. And I think they're <laughs> going to win the division anyway, but like they could not. It's, it's very much possibility. To be honest, I think right now today, I think I'd have this team as a seventh team. I think they're better than Arizona. I think they're, I'd probably take them a slight edge of, over the NFC South teams behind Tampa Bay. And them in Minnesota are very close to me in terms of that's kind of a coin flip for the seventh spot. But I think. If you put a gun to my head, I think I pick Washington over Minnesota. I think they have a little more depth on their roster, and I, I think the vibes at a Minnesota camp right now are not very good. So, no, I, I think I Minnesota. Think I, I think Minnesota's dead in the water. I, Minnesota is not even a team that I am entertaining for any of this at all right really? now. I, no, no, I, I, hate, the sure, I hate the Vikings. I hate the Vikings. Really, and not in terms of like I don't personally have anything against them. I just don't see any reason why people are getting excited about them this year. But but really? that's that's neither here nor there. I think when it comes to these playoff spots, you know, again, obviously you're gonna have. I think I I'm with you. It's probably Dallas's division to lose in the East. I think you're gonna get Seattle, L.A., and then probably either the Cardinals or the Niners into the playoffs. You're gonna have the Packers in the playoffs. You're gonna have the Bucks in the playoffs. I think what I need to really feel like I have an opinion on this that's valid is four weeks to see what does New Orleans look like without Drew Brees what does this team look like with Ryan Fitzpatrick and then the other piece of this that is kind of interesting is you know again what what are the Bears doing because they're going to get a lot of pieces back and they're not exactly playing in a strong division like the Lions aren't going to be good this year I don't have any faith in the Vikings this year and they were bad enough a season ago that they're going to end up with a reasonable schedule. So I think those are the kind of the question marks for me in terms of, you know, can Washington sneak in? But I don't know. It just it would be a little bizarre to me to see them sneak into that. But I do agree with you. Really? I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick makes this team a lot better. And I think that I just don't know how much better that is. But there is a possibility that Fitzpatrick comes out and all of a sudden Washington is competing in some of these games that we didn't see them compete in last year, despite the fact that they did make the playoffs. Really quickly, before we move on from them, unless you had something else you wanted to say, I did want to throw this your way because this is always fun to do. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who he play for? Um, okay, let's go. Miami. Yep. Buffalo. Yep. The Jets. Yep. He played against every team, not non Patriots team in the AFC East. Um, Tennessee. Yes. Um, I mean, Washington now. Yep. He's on the Bucks at one point. Yep. I know that. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, you're missing three teams. <laughs> I know I'm, 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 I know I'm missing a, 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 at least a few teams. Oh, like who? I, I'm just trying to like Houston. Yep. Right. 2014. 
You're missing the first two teams that he was with. And to be fair, he didn't play a whole lot for the team that drafted him. It was the, uh, it's a team that is relocated. I'll give you that hint. Team that is relocated. Um, he was on the Rams? Yeah, St. Louis Rams okay. for the first two years of his career. Oh, that's true. No, that's right now. I remember that. And then the other team is... Uh, ooh. AFC. AFC? Yep. Okay. I'll give you a hint. It's a team that has not won a playoff game in a very, very long time. Ooh. But they have been to the playoffs. Oh. Ooh, um, Cincinnati? Yes, he was a Cincinnati Bengal for two years. Congratulations, you successfully named every team that Ryan Fitzpatrick has played for, which is already, good God, for a quarterback who actually played for all of these teams, it is absolutely insane uh, just just how far he's come. Uh, Anything else you wanted to say on on Washington before we move on and talk about the, uh, the New York Giants? I gotta say, I really think this is a playoff team. The more I think about Washington... I, I think they can actually challenge for the heck for the division. I wow. Think I, I think they're pretty good. You are I, very I high most, on Washington. Here's the thing. They were the most um, they were the most promising team out of the NFC least last year, though. Like You can't deny that. Well, yeah, in a year you that know, Dak Prescott and Saquon direct, Barkley were out. Like there was a direction there and a coach and, and, and good coaching and um, a great defense. A lot went right for them. Don't get me wrong. Like There's going to be some regression, especially on defense, but they upgraded so much from the terrible quarterback play they had last year to the point where I think around 500 can make you a playoff team in the NFC this year, because it's just not as deep of a conference as the AFC is. You can't deny that. Right. Yeah. So I'm not saying this team's going to win that many playoff games. I don't think they're going to win a playoff game. I'd be pretty surprised if a lot would have to, a lot of right would have to happen for that to happen. But, um, still I, I'm, I mean, it, it's hard not to, not to think this team could at least win eight games. So. All right. Well, you have you have absolute full discretion if by week eight this team is leading the division or they're up there in the division. You can always point at me and say you ye have little faith on the Washington football team. But that's just kind of that's just kind of where I sit right now. Let's talk about the New York Giants for a moment. They were six and ten last year. Obviously, the biggest piece coming back is Saquon Barkley. He'll be fully involved in the offense once again on the defense. There are a lot of moving parts that have kind of been brought in, that have been re-signed. You look at kind of the movements on that side of the ball. And then, of course, they add Kadarius Toney, a wide receiver, in the first round of the draft. I guess my question to you on this is pretty simple. Does any of this really matter for the Giants? Because it just... Similar to the way I feel about Washington, and obviously we disagree on that, but I just don't really see a path to the playoffs for the Giants. They play in a sucky division. Like maybe Dallas has a down year again, but I just I don't know that New York finds their way in even with Saquon back and Danny Dimes kind of doing what he does. This is the second worst team in the NFC. Okay, thank you. I don't know if I say second <laughs> wait, 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 second worst team in the NFC. Yeah, second worst team in the NFC. Detroit's only worse. The only thing that's worse. Detroit. And I and I'm kind of optimistic about Detroit a little bit. You think New but, York's worse than Philly? Yeah, I do. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, And I just hate the way this team has been built. I hate a lot of things about this team, to be honest. I don't think Daniel Jones is good at all. I think he's really bad. Um, I think their their receiving core is pretty overrated. Uh, Sterling Shepard's a nice piece. Actually, he's the one consistent player they got there. Slayton's okay. Uh, Galladay hasn't even stayed healthy so far this year and he wasn't healthy at all last year so i don't know how, I, even though i like him as a player Kadarius tony didn't know how to run a route for three years in florida <laughs> and then they picked the guy in the first round which was just 
pretty terrible selection. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, I'm with you there. That was bad. Their offensive line is pretty freaking bad. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't be, it's hard to be optimistic about their offensive line, except for maybe Andrew Thomas. He's really talented, but he didn't look great last year for them. Um, and I don't really cut, trust their coaching staff in terms of, you know, turning, turning, uh, like macaroni into gold, you know what I mean? Like I, I it's, they're not, it, there's not much of a track record there in terms of, um, you know, turning meager talent into, into good talent. Right? Really, 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 really quickly here. I, I, sorry, I just have to interject. I haven't, I haven't cut you off all show, but I just, I wanted no, to make ahead. one no, quick ahead, point please. here on the New York giants. And I don't know if you'll remember this. And obviously none of our listeners know what I'm talking about, but do you remember freshman year of college at Arizona State? We went down with a couple of our friends to some little burrito shop or something. And I remember we were watching this Giants team. I believe it was Saquon's rookie year. And we were just like, God, this offensive line sucks. Like they're trying to build around one of the best running backs in the league. And the O-line is terrible. We were watching Trey Flowers like tripping over his own cleats. The guy couldn't block anybody. Here we are, fast forward, we're both graduated, we're both out in the adult world. The offensive line for the Giants still sucks. Like, you have Saquon Barkley. How do you keep messing this up? Your O-line has been garbage for four years. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, no arguments there. Their offensive line is still really bad, even though they <sighs> did I mean, they, they did invest some draft capital and Will Hernandez and Andrew Thomas. And I, I'm not very optimistic about either player to be totally honest with you. And they spent a ton of money on Nate Solder and that failed miserably. So they have actually tried to address the position position. It's just like, it, I mean, they're too poorly managed to actually, addr- actually address it properly. Right. Because none of those moves have really worked out to this point. I don't have a ton of faith that they actually will. And then at running back, like you mentioned, Saquon Barkley, he's incredibly talented, but hasn't stayed healthy at all for two years. And I just don't have a lot of faith in him in terms, in terms of a guy who can be a number one back behind a crappy offensive line and actually stay healthy throughout the entire season. I mean, we've gotten to the point where him, where we just have to be skeptical at the fact that can he stay on the field? And my guess is no. You know, it's it's hard to be really optimistic about him heading into the season. And you, you even see that in the fantasy rankings at, uh, to a degree. And defensively, they have a lot of uh, solid players and talent. And I think that it's a pr- overall, it's probably going to be a top half of the league unit. And last year, they showed a lot of good signs on that side of the ball. And there were times even last year where we thought this team was competent. But, I mean, the advanced statistics do not like this defense. And I thought that was really interesting to sort of look over and see that. And again, their pass rush is still a bit of a question mark. I mean, they're going to rely a lot on Aziz Ojolari, excuse me, to provide that for them. Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence are really good on the inside. Um, so it's – and they spent way too much money on Dory Jackson. That was a terrible move. But I – this is just a pretty frustrating uh, – team and construction of a team and i mean someone has to win five or less games in the nfc east and i I just think it's them i i just i just really don't like their team at all really and i even if their defense can be top half of the league and be a little bit better than what the numbers say um then i'm then even then their offense has to be top 20 25 and i don't see that happening really I just don't because of the amount of injury problems that they have, how bad their offensive line is and how 
not good. Daniel Jones is at quarterback. So I have this team as like a five and 12 team, honestly. And I'm just not optimistic about them at all. Yeah, I think I, I share a lot of the sentiments that you've shared here. I just don't really see the Giants going anywhere. And you know what? At this point now, between yesterday's conversation with Alex and today's conversation with you, we've talked about 30 of the 32 NFL teams. I'm actually going to do something we have not done at any point here, and I'm going to skip over a team and come back to them. Because I just want to know what your opinion is on the Philadelphia Eagles, because clearly you think Ooh. the Giants are worse. And I, I don't know about that. I am not sold on Jalen Hurts yet. Obviously, it's very early. They're going to have Miles Sanders. They've got some weapons. They draft Devontae Smith, who's been amazing, obviously. But I just, I I still, you look at the moves they made in the offseason. You look at what they're trying to retool around. You look at what they're working with. Unless Jalen Hurts steps up and is magically a top 15 quarterback in the league, a top 10 quarterback in the league, I don't see this Philadelphia team finishing even over a, a Giants team that I don't like at this point. I mean, where where are you at on the Eagles? What's what's kind of your um, what's kind of your thought process here? Don't get me wrong, I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs. I'd be pretty. I mean, a, quite a few thing, right things would have to happen for this team to make the playoffs. And like I get that every other team in the NFL have, getting COVID. <laughs> and I get the Giants have to have. Um, uh, I, I get that they have a higher ceiling as a team. I think that's certainly true, but. I mean, they had the worst. They uh, had the worst. They arguably the worst wide receiver core in the league last year. Um, it was either them or New England, and I mean, their receivers could not get any separation at the line of scrimmage. And when you get like a guy like Devonta Smith, who I have like the worlds of faith in in terms of him being a really good wideout on day one, he's such a good route runner, and that's exactly the guy that sort of guy they needed. Um, and then having picking him at, oh, I believe it was 10, and then having him and Rager, who can stretch the field a little bit, and then I like Dallas Goddard a lot at tight end in the middle of the field. Like, they have weapons this season, and I know we keep on falling into this trap of, oh, it's the Eagles, their guys will get hurt again. That's certainly true, Um, but if they can even stay relatively healthy at wide receiver, and their offensive line is pretty darn good. I mean, with Kelsey and Brandon Brooks coming back from injury, Lane Johnson's pretty old, but he's still pretty good. Andre Dillard's going to slide in at left tackle. Um, he He's at least a capable starter. Like, their offense around Hurts is actually pretty decent, and they have a bunch of running back depth, and Miles Sanders is pretty good himself. Hurts, I mean, there's numbers that suggest he was terrible last year. There's numbers that suggest that his the supporting cast around him was terrible, and it really wasn't him, and his accuracy was actually fine. I don't think he's going to be able to drive the ball down the field too much. I think good defenses are going to be able to expose him pretty badly, even if the pieces around him do stay healthy this season. But I know it's probably a bit of a stretch, and I just really don't like this Giants team. That's probably a little bit bi- some bias on my point, my part. But I mean, this team's pretty good in the trenches, not just on offense, but just transitioning to the defense a little bit here. They have. I mean, a really good front seven, potentially. They bring Eric Wilson from Minnesota. He's a pretty underrated linebacker. Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham in the front four. Like, that's a really, really strong unit, if we can say even relatively healthy. Um, And then the secondary, Darius Slay just has to play better. And that's going to be part of it for this team. Can their cornerback play be just a little better than it was last season? I'm... I mean, they have the pieces on the roster, and and, I'm, and I like the fact that you know they 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 have a new they have a fresh start in the coaching staff as well. Uh, Nick Sirianni k- takes over as the head coach, so I mean, new coaching staff combined with some of the old talent they had from heck the team that won the Super Bowl, 
and no more Carson Wentz. I, 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 it's it's hard for me to see them be any worse than they were last year and what they were like a five or six win team a year ago. So I, I, I'm looking at them around seven ish wins, eight if everything goes right and something goes wrong with say Washington or the Cowboys, who we'll get to very soon. So I mean, I'm it's not as much of a strong case as uh, as Carolina or even. Uh, Washington that I'm making here. I'm not as confident about them as I am about those teams, but I just think that they can be that they're going to be a little bit better uh, than the Giants this year, just because I'm so down on the Giants. I just do not like that team, the way they're built, and the way they're managed at all. And I think that leaks into the play, even if on paper they're technically better than than the Eagles because of what we saw last year. So, all right, fair um, enough. I think you would be hard pressed to find a head coach in NFL history that has had as hard and as fast of a fall from grace as Dougie Fresh. Uh, who won a Super Bowl against the Patriots dynasty in 2018 with a backup quarterback and won four games last year. Like, oh my God. And look, the Eagles are going to be bad this year, but at least they're not going to be going for two-point conversions on like the first drive of the game. I I just, some of the stuff they were doing last year, in addition to the ineptitude of talent on the field, it was just a disaster. So yeah, not expecting a whole lot of the Eagles Let's talk about the last team remaining in the NFL that we have yet to cover, and it's a team that, in theory, on paper, like they are every year, should be pretty okay this year. It's the Dallas Cowboys. They get Dak back, which should, in theory, return Ezekiel Elliott to his previous form. He slimmed down a little bit here in the offseason. You've also added Keanu Neal and Malik Hooker to the defense, a defense that was not very good a year ago, and they're not going to be using... Who even wasn't it? Garrett Gilbert and Cooper Rush were taking snaps at quarterback for this team after Andy Dalton got hurt last year. I mean, the, the six and ten was a bit of a fluke. But with that being said, the Cowboys are going to cowboy. They they find ways every year to subvert expectations. So going into this season, I'm expecting this team to win the division. I'm expecting this team to make the playoffs, and then I'm expecting this team to get mollywopped by whoever they play in the first round, and that's just going to be the end of it. But with that being said, they are the Cowboys, so you never know. Like, a 7-10 and 10 season is never too far away from a team that consistently subverts expectations like this. Koki, I'm going to turn it over to you here. When you look at the Cowboys this year, should be less of a hot mess than last year, if only because of the injuries and if they can stay healthy, but I just, I don't even know. When it comes to Dallas, I just especially in an NFC that has already got a lot of solid teams in it, I just don't know how far these guys can go. Yeah, um... I have this team winning the division for one very simple reason. It's because their offense is sick. Yep. Their offense is incredible. Um, I know it's pretty much the same unit that they had last year, but as long as Dak stays on the field, I mean, every advanced number thinks that Dak Prescott's a top five quarterback. Something that I actually want to really want to watch closely heading into this year is, is, is he actually that good? Um, but like he has all the weapons you ever want to go along with an offensive line that as long as it stays healthy, should be a top 10 unit in the league to go along with, you know, Cooper and Gallup and CeeDee Lamb who could really be, he could be their top wide up in the end of the year. I would not be surprised. That kid is that talented. And I mean, Elliot should play a little bit better at running back. He wasn't as bad as people thought he was last season. Um, a lot of it had to do with how bad their offensive line was because of the amount of injuries they had in the line. Um, but Really, if Dak stays healthy and the line stays healthy, this team should score a lot of points. And I'd be surprised if they're not a top five offense by the end of the year, as long as Dak stays healthy and the line stays relatively healthy. Like, it's that talented. And and, and I think Kellen Moore is definitely capable enough of a, of a play caller. And we saw that two years ago when they had a really good offense. 
Um, but I mean, what's going to hold this team back though, as good as their offense is their defense. Uh, they got, I mean, they made some additions there this off season. They brought in Micah Parsons who can help out the pass rush a little bit. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence is consistently really good, but when you're starting Randy Gregory and relying on Randy Gregory to do anything, that's a worry. Despite how talented he is, I just, you cannot trust that guy to be a consistent pass rusher for you. And even if you're really high on a guy like Neville Gallimore on the inside, their secondary still has some problems. Like, I mean, they're going to rely a lot on guys like Kelvin Joseph and Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis, guys who aren't totally incompetent, but they're, they have, they're playing in roles that are probably outsized their actual talent. And as much as I, as I am optimistic about Trayvon Diggs, I don't think he's a number one corner. So, and their safety play is our, I mean, right now they're starting two guys you've probably never heard of before. And that's uh, DeMonte Kazee and Donovan Wilson. So, I mean, if their pass rush was dominant, you could probably get away with the secondary they have. Or if their secondary was great, you could probably get away with the pass rush they have. But the problem is both are below average. And in the secondary's case, probably well below average. So even if their linebackers stay healthy this year, it's hard for me to see this team being a top half defense and being like a real contender in the NFC. Well, yeah, and you're you know, saying and, and you're, that's what they need, though, you know? I yeah, think it's what they need. And you're describing teams that we've seen in the past, right? It's an offense that's amazing, but that offense has to be amazing for the team to keep its head above water. It's like some of those really bad, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers teams that, you know, they win nine to 12 games because the offense is so good. Or or even some of those Saints teams where the defense was terrible, but the offense was carrying them. That's kind of where Dallas has ended up. And I agree. I think that if they can play their hand right these next couple of years, they can build around the core that they have with Dak and with with Steve and some of the other pieces. Obviously, C.D. Lamb, as you mentioned, could be groundbreaking, and especially when you pair him with Amari Cooper. But, you know, for this year, for the reality of what the Cowboys are witnessing, I think they're just going to be another really solid nine, maybe ten with upside win team that's going to win the division, make the playoffs, and then make no noise. That's just kind of the it's yeah. just kind of the sense that I get, and it sounds like that's kind of the sense almost that you get as well. Yeah, I have them at 10 wins because of how good I think their offense can be. And I think they can be a little bit better defensively, but I don't think they're going to be good enough, like I said, to the point where you're confident in this team actually winning a couple playoff games or potentially winning a couple playoff games. Because, I mean, Dan Quinn is an upgrade from whatever the heck they've had over the last few years, guys like Rod Marinelli and whatnot. Um, but uh, I, at the end of the day, it's not – I mean, Dan Quinn can only do so much – uh, with this unit that I think has some interesting pieces, but there's not enough talent at the right spots with this team where I'm optimistic about them, you know, winning a playoff game or two, because I, I think they're going to win the division. I think there's more talented than the other teams and they're just bound to have better injury luck. But I mean, we'll say the Cowboys are always interesting as you've noted. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, there it is. A word on all 32 NFL teams between Koki Riley and Alex Weiner. As I did with Alex yesterday, really quickly, I do want to open up the floor to you, Koki. Is there any quick note you want to make or any anything you want to say, maybe a hot take? I don't know. Something about the other half of the league that we didn't get a chance to talk about today. Just a quick note, something that you wanted to talk about, but you didn't have a chance to discuss those teams on the show today. Yeah, I can just do like quick high and lows, right? So I'm lower on Arizona, as I think I mentioned briefly. I'm higher on Minnesota. I'm a little higher on Minnesota. I used to be much higher, but after looking through the depth chart, they're not a very deep team at all. Um, what else? I think Cincinnati is going to be more or less the crummy team they've been the last few years, despite how excited some people are about them. 
Uh, I think Pittsburgh's offense has real concerns, especially um, when it comes to their offensive line. Uh, I mean, I don't have too, too much more to add. I, I'm really high on the Rams, really high on the Niners. Uh, Seattle will be Seattle again. Um, and I'm looking at, you know, the Chief, I think the Chiefs can be a really, really great team this year as long as their receiving core can stay healthy. So um, not a lot of depth in that receiving core, but I think you guys probably touched on that. And I think the Chargers are the seventh team in the AFC. All right. So. There you go. Uh, Really quickly, before I let you go, I did want to ask one more thing here. You've had a chance to cover, and obviously very specifically, mostly for LSU and mostly in the Louisiana area, you've had a chance to look into some prospects. But I did want to ask, I I am curious, are there any names that you've kind of stumbled across of some of these high school kids that, you know, not not a lot of people outside of scouting circles really know, but anybody that you've kind of looked at and you've gone, oh, that's going to be a dude in the NFL in the next couple of in the next couple of years? Well, I mean, the really obvious an- answer, of course, is Arch Manning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning and the son of Cooper Manning and the grandson of Archie Manning. Uh, the kid's really good. <laughs> um, the number He's the number one quarterback in Louisiana in the country for his class and the number one player, according to Rivals, in the uh, overall player, according to Rivals, in the nation. Uh, the kid's the real deal. He's really good. Uh, just lost his top receiver to... Uh, because he transferred to a, a private school in Florida, but still, at the end of the day, uh, Isidore Newman will probably be a contender for the um, Division Three LHSAA uh, state title. That's my guess. Even though, surprisingly enough, they've never won a state title, despite the fact that they had they've had Odell Beckham Jr. at the school, uh, of course, Arch Manning, uh, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Cooper Manning. They've never won. Uh, a football state championship so that's a nice little fun fact for you wow that uh, is fascinating that. yeah to, to go through all the mannings and not to end up the, the, as you're telling me these this group of people has four super bowl rings and and no state championships <laughs> all right fair cool. enough so, yes all right well thank you so much it's always great to have you on the show koki and uh look forward to talking more football at you as uh as a lot of a lot of these games start to come our way uh thanks for having me buddy this was a uh, fun to really break it down and uh, talk about some football Absolutely. And plenty more football coming up, as I mentioned already. It is just about three weeks away from kickoff of the 2021 NFL season, and we'll have plenty more shows to come on that topic. But that'll just about do it for us. For Tyler Henry, for Koki Riley, I want to say thank you once again for tuning in, and you can catch us on the next edition of the TBH Sports Podcast.